Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans. Brett Valentini here hosting. You know, I bet you're at home, watching, in the car, listening, and thinking, maybe Southside Sox needs another podcast. And I'm here to tell you, we've got another podcast for you. I think this year, don't hold me to it, this could just be a unicorn of a podcast, but I think we might be doing something, maybe on a weekly basis, a couple times a month, just focusing on the farm system. I know right now we all have our heads sort of wagging out the window, the window is open, we are screaming for wins for the White Sox. The big guys, the major league white Sox, but there's still a lot going on down on the farm, particularly Charlotte, which is providing maybe questionable uh, reinforcements for the team this season. The major league team, we've already seen the team get a little bit tripped up outfield-wise. Billy Hamilton's on the team. Uh, so it's a situation where we definitely want to still focus on the minor leagues. And so we're launching something I'm calling at least Southside Sox on the farm. We'll see if we hang with that. Uh, certainly, two guys are going to be featured on that frequently. James Fox, who you know, of course, as our White Sox insider. Of course, he's in the middle of everything over at Future Sox. Uh, so he's going to be tuned into everything, even as his attention is being paid for the minor, uh, to the major league team and how well they're doing. He's keeping his uh, finger on the pulse of everything that's going on in the And our jack of all trades, our every man who does a little bit of everything for the site and focus more and more perhaps on the minor leagues of late. It's Darren Black. These guys I like to consider sort of fire and ice. Sometimes they like to debate each other. Uh, the prediction before we went on the air is that perhaps there will be a lot more agreement than I would anticipate. We'll see. Maybe there'll be a little bit of uh, point counterpoint we got going on here in this minor league podcast. So guys, welcome. Thanks for taking the time as the minor league season is finally uh, on the brink and about to begin for us. 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, it's good to finally like talk to Darren on one of these podcasts, you know, like we've, it's something that like we've always kind of talked about and then we never did it. So. Yeah. It's good to actually talk about minor league baseball. You'll actually be able to watch too. So I'm glad that everything is kind of getting back to it. Point counterpoint podcast. I don't predict anybody's going to go over the table at the other and choke like a Jim Everett thing from back in the day, but you never know. There could be some scolding or some finger wagging. We'll see. Uh, we're going to just get things kicked right off. I'm going to go big to begin with for you guys. And that is just taking a look at what we would consider strength of the system. Uh, my read, and again, I'm going to pretty much step to the side and let you guys run this whole podcast, but it seems like lower levels, a lot of strength and reinforcement. Uh, up top, strong, but that, that strength seems to be in the major leagues now. In the middle, uh, maybe a little bit of a donut situation. Tell me about the strength of the system uh, for the White Sox. Yeah, so I mean, I think, and I'll go first, I guess, but I, I think that's pretty much correct. I think, like, just looking at the affiliates, and we can get into them if you want, like, there's you know, there's a lot of people at Charlotte that everybody's heard of, right? And a lot of those guys are important, I think, more so for potential, like, trades than they are to, like, help the White Sox. But then after that, everybody's, like, in Kannapolis for the most part. So I think, like, the pitching side is stronger. Um, they do have some pitchers at, like, the top of their system um, who I like quite a bit, but a lot of them, like, they just haven't pitched at all. They haven't played, so we don't really know. Um, and then there are some like super young dudes finally, like in the system that are exciting, but yeah, like that middle part, like you're, you know, like the Blake Rutherfords and those guys, like, yeah, I mean, this is, it's a big year for them to like show something or they're, you know, they're going to be elsewhere and you're going to have like nothing to show for like some of that, it seems like, but I mean, you know, these guys haven't played in like a year and a half. So, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we'll get into it obviously, but they're, you know, aggressive assignments and stuff like that. It's going to be a much more like a much different year than people have uh, been used to seeing. Aaron, any better hope for sort of the middle of the system? And Grant, let me point out, I'm throwing, I'm throwing you guys under the bus here because we're talking about guys that we haven't seen play competitively since 2019. Maybe we've got a little bit of Schaumburg action these last two summers. Fall instructionals, this mystery. I heard that there was a spring training round two, but if you ask the White Sox, we didn't get much information about it. There was a little bit of information from Schaumburg. I don't know if anybody was at Camelback once all the big guys left. Uh, there's been a lot of secrecy. Uh, secrecy. So, uh, uh, Darren, your, your thought about uh, you know whether or not any of these guys in the middle tier that we're sort of forgetting about might actually be able to distinguish themselves finally getting back into play two years later? Uh, well, I think I'm more along with James on this too. It's just the guys from the original rebuild that are good are up. Like they're in the majors right now. The ones that really aren't are A, they're in the Jake Berger category, injured, not really played much. That's why they're being held down. B, it's uh, Luis Gonzalez, Blake Rutherford, Sebi Zavala just didn't really establish themselves already. Um, but it, the more interesting part of the system right now is all in Canapolis. It's going to be a really young team. It's probably it's probably the team that would have been the Great Falls Voyagers if they still existed. Um, but it's all just the really young guys just trying to get out there to start. Um, but higher levels, mostly for depth purposes. Uh, looks like they might need to call up another outfielder, but we'll find out tomorrow with Luis Robert. But, yeah, definitely I don't really see anybody in AAA coming onto this team, hitting-wise at least. Um, and kind of taking over a spot for the major league team this year. 
let's jump into the idea uh, that James had come up with when we were planning this show. Uh, and and uh, the general trend around the majors and the White Sox are certainly falling in line with this, uh, the aggressiveness of assignments. Now, I can imagine that might have a little bit to do with the fact that it's been a lost season, uh, have to do with the fact that the minor leagues are compressed now. So, you know, it even seems more aggressive than it might have been. As, as Darren, you just said, a lot of these guys in Kannapolis might have been in great falls, at least uh, uh, wetting their boots a little bit before they move up to Kannapolis. Uh, Talk a little bit about that, James, in terms of just the, the change that we've seen and how the minor leagues are going to be run, and maybe specifically how the White Sox are doing it's different from here. Yeah, so, I mean, just, you know, it kind of seems like it's going to be a league-wide trend. So people that I've talked to, you know, I've seen some of the White Sox assignments um, that we can talk about, and some of them are like, ooh, like, I don't think that guy's ready for that spot. But, I mean, it's kind of, everybody's kind of in the same boat. Darren mentioned there's no great falls, which essentially means there's no short-season rookie ball. So there's going to be guys in Arizona, like at, at the White Sox complex, but that league isn't going to start until, you know, July, like after the draft happens. So everybody else is in Kannapolis. Like I've seen the, you know, most of the roster for Kannapolis and it's exciting, but like it, it's super young. I mean, the three high school pitchers that they've drafted over the past couple of years, Jared Kelly, Andrew Dahlquist, Matthew Thompson, they're all there. Um, and then you have guys like, um, James Beard, who was a fourth round high school pick, he's there. Chase Krogman is a, you know, 33rd round high school pick that was like an overslot type guy. He's there. Recent international types, Brian Ramos, Benjamin Bailey, they're there. So, you know, and then I think like Jose Rodriguez is there too. Somebody that, you know, people listening to this probably have heard of. DJ Gladney was a 16th rounder out of high school. Like that's super young. I mean, that, that would not be typical that those guys would go to low A like right out of the shoot essentially. But I mean, they, they, they haven't really been doing, I mean, they've been working out on their own. Those guys would typically go to great falls, but there was no season last year. Like they would have went to great falls last year. So it seems like the, what the Sox are doing is like, they're just like skipping to the level that they would have been at had there been baseball last year. It's even the same thing in AAA. Like Jake Berger's going to AAA. And I had many people ask me like, why are they not sending him back to a ball? And I, you know, honestly, like, I think they just, they kind of, they're going to try to accelerate the process. And some of these guys might sink because of it, but anytime you can jump a guy over double a Birmingham, like I'm, I'm with it because especially when it's like a guy like Blake Rutherford or Jake Berger, who like, you know, if you could take those two guys and turn them into like a pitcher to help the big league team at the deadline, I think you're more likely to trade those guys like if they're successful and I think they're more likely to hit in Charlotte than they are playing in that freaking <laughs> graveyard in Birmingham. So that's, you know, that's one of the reasons, but yeah, I mean, like I, I understand the apprehension Darren Berger. Uh, I don't think Berger even played at Winston. Like I think he, he was in canny got hurt yeah. and then hasn't played again. And now he's going to Charlotte. So, you know, it's obviously been years, but, but there's just assignments like that all over the place that are like super aggressive assignments. I haven't paid close enough attention to like the other teams, but my guess is they're doing it too. And that low A is just going to be like a high upside, like rookie ball league. And maybe the, you know, the play won't be as, as great. Darren is a guy who's going to be following this very closely for us doing the minor league updates. You're real deep into that. And our, our minor league, a nightly updates going to be six days a week uh, and then one day to pause. I mean, you'll still be working then too. They're back. Uh, is a, um, you know, you're going to be knee deep in that. And as a guy following it, um, both as an analyst, but just writing it up, 
When you're looking at a team like Kannapolis, is that a little bit more delightful for you just because you've got such a concentration of talent? And yes, a few guys maybe are going to fall by the wayside because they got moved up too aggressively. But is it exciting to, to know that are going to be guys who are going to distinguish themselves and maybe even make moves from low A this year just from, from what they do? A oh, Jose Rodriguez maybe uh, hits the ground running what he's done in, in Arizona and he just keeps doing it in, in Kannapolis. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely much better, like even just uh, sometimes just whenever Charlotte does come on the television or MILB.TV, it's just always more exciting to watch the younger guys. They have a lot more to prove. Um, they we Especially for Kannapolis, most of us have not even seen these guys pitch because the last time some of these guys were, most of them were in high school. No one's going out and watching high school games from this, and no one was watching Dominican uh, baseball with Benjamin B- Bailey and Jose Rodriguez. It was just with the minor league updates we do. That's how uh, people viewed them. So it's going to be much better to see them. Um, I'm, I am kind of wondering, because this is going to be their first full season of baseball. Um, and now it is starting a month late. So it's uh, already a, a fewer games than normal, but it's still their first full season of baseball. And I'm not real sure um, how it's going to go for these 19, 20 year old guys who have never done that before. Um, like, I don't know if someone, if Jose Rodriguez is going to be playing four out of seven games a week, something like that, uh, maybe a six, seven man rotation, um, especially for the guys that are going to have innings limits. Cause again, they're 1920, they're not going to throw 140 innings a year, but, um, all of that interesting development is going to play it out. And, um, I did see that Chris Getz did say he's not expecting a ton of promotions, but that was mostly because of the pandemic. So maybe that'll change later on this year when it gets a bit better. Um, but yeah, they should be in Kannapolis and it looks like they're going to be all there for a little while. Yeah. And I th- sorry, Brett. One of the things, it seems like they're like, it's like 17 pitchers like per affiliate. It sounds like, which is, yeah. which, sounds they all have to pitch at some time. which sounds absolutely absurd. Right. But I mean, like you're right about guys like Andrew Dahlquist and Matthew Thompson, like there's an innings limit. I don't know what it is, but you know, they have one. So I don't know if that's like, they'll go three innings and then they're out or if they'll like piggyback start or whatever. But I mean, you're looking yeah. at hundred innings max, I would think for all those guys like that, you know, they, they literally threw two innings two years ago. And then last year they threw a bunch of the alt site, you know, but um, that's about it. So we really don't know. I mean, those guys are super exciting down there. The other, the, the Charlotte rotation, I think is interesting. Jimmy Lambert starting opening night in Charlotte. He hasn't been at the alt site, but he's been in Arizona. And I had heard from a contact that, you know, they kind of think the, you know, they kind of thought that he would be in the big leagues like mid season in the role that Kopech's in now, because he's on an mm-hmm. innings limit too, you know? So I feared that he was hurt still because he wasn't um, in Schaumburg, but they were just slow playing him in Arizona and he's starting opening night in Charlotte, which is, you know, which is good. I think he's a starter, but I mean, you know, you're trying to win a world series. Like he can come up and throw two or three innings, like in your bullpen. And then Jonathan Stevers probably in that rotation. Cade McClure is a guy whose stuff is, ticked up quite a bit in the last year. So he, I mean, you know, he's a couple injuries away from a spot start too, I would imagine. So, you know, he's in, he's in Charlotte as well. And uh, so is uh, Ronaldo Lopez is there too. So, yeah, you know, like it's, but yeah, like the, the common, the common theme here seems to be, we're talking about Kannapolis and we're talking about Charlotte because, you know, the rosters in Birmingham and Winston, there's some guys there, but that's, it's like a lot of filler in high A and double A right now. 
Mm-hmm. How strange is it, guys, that uh, – and I know that the uh, uh, the spot in the rotate, even at, even at Schaumburg, you still got to give guys their rest. So it's maybe the math worked against them. How strange is it that Ronaldo Lopez, even as they've needed spot guys, 27th man, uh, weird innings eat thing, I, I haven't even seen that his name has come up as a guy who could possibly come but just to sit on the bench just in case. Uh, that's an int- <laughs> that's quite a fall. Jeez. Yeah, I, I mean – there's not really a spot for guys that just throw like 95 down the, down the middle. So I'm fine with them giving Stever and Lambert a chance because they're the higher upside at this point. All right. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't just like converted him to full fledged relief yet because he's out of options next year. Or this is his last option year, right? Yeah. Like my guess is he's not even in camp with them next year. So like, I don't know if they want to start him to like use him as like the second or third piece in a deadline deal or what, but like you would think that you would just make him a short inning reliever, see if the stuff ticks up to see if you can extract anything out of him. Because like, I don't see him starting another game for the White Sox ever again. So then you're running into like, okay, you're carrying him on the 40 man. I guess they don't want to dump him for nothing, but kind of like what Brett says, like, I don't expect to see him in Chicago again. So like, what are we doing here? Type of thing, you know, like, are they hoping that he goes to Charlotte pitch as well? And then he's the third piece in a deal. I don't, I, I don't know. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I'm, I'm really not expecting to see him. I mean, from earmarked, uh, maybe right pre Camelback as I guess probably your italicized, maybe fifth man to like, just out like out of effectively out of the system is is, Mm -hmm. it's pretty this quick i mean this is not july when i was july it's like two weeks later he's like he's disappeared Uh, all right let's let's leapfrog then into positional strength in this system certainly high up as i think james alluded uh there is legit um pitching even though on the on the starting side oh you know it's it's scary it's a little bit of white knuckling but there are guys certainly in the pen it seems like there's a, a a fair number of guys who can come up just right now and potentially uh, contribute if there's a need, uh, even though, of course, there's just one lefty in the pen right now. So it's, it's certainly not a, a surplus, but uh, maybe starting top end, but then maybe both top end and then maybe rest of system. Where do you see the strengths and, and, and weaknesses of the system uh, overall? Well, so, I mean, I think, I mean, the, the clear strength is, is pitching. I mean, you're so like before the season, obviously like your clear strength is four top 50 prospects probably in baseball, but they're all on the big league team. So, you know, as soon as those guys graduate off, you're hoping for a, you know, a Yoelki Cespedes or like Norhe Vera to really pop. So then you're, you know, it's not just three prep arms and all of your like used to be hope basically, you know, cause the system, like I think Jared Kelly's awesome, but Jared Kelly's in Canapolis and He's probably in Winston next year. And then, you know, he's like probably a year and a level guy. I mean, we'll see like in the, I mean, if he's as good as I think he can be, maybe he's quicker than that, but like they have no innings base. None of those guys do. So I do think that's the strength. Like it's young pitching. And then there are, you know, other young guys that I like, but they, but they need to play. Like I like Brian Ramos quite a bit. Um, You know, Ben Bailey's interesting, but he's, he played Dominican summer league baseball. So Mm -hmm. Like, I just, like, don't think we know, you know. It would be very helpful if Gavin Sheets or Luis Gonzalez or Jake Burton, like, even if one of those guys is, like, a a bench bat that's, like, an up-and-down big leaguer, like, that would be useful. Um, But it's definitely a system where, unless they load up, like, in this draft somehow, I mean, this system's going to be 
And like, look, ranking, like your system's going to go down when your big league team's as good as it is. But I mean, this is a mm-hmm. back, back 10 system, probably, I would think, to start next year, like for sure. Darren, can you give us any better hope than that, that there's, there's some depth that somehow James Fox of future Sox is missing? Uh, no, I think he's right on again. <laughs> uh, definitely not a lot of depth. Uh, or at least major league, like could be in the majors depth hitting wise, like in Charlotte and Birmingham. It's really just kind of what he said. I'd also throw in Mike Rodolfo. You got to see like where he's at after being injured. Um, but yeah, it's definitely pitching. Um, and I've always thought the relief pitching has always been the best part of this uh, system. Uh, once they started the rebuild, I was like, there's some really good relievers in these pen in this pen. And, I mean, some of them are up already, like Cody Hoyer. Um, and, obviously, Garrett Crochet uh, probably wasn't supposed to be a reliever right away, but he's up there. Um, but you've got Zach Birdie. You want to see how he bounces back. Tyler Johnson. Um, I still think if he wouldn't have gotten that lat injury, he would have been on the team last season. Um, and then when you go lower down to the minors, Caleb Freeman. Um, seems like he's a guy that uh, Chris Getz is really excited about. But really just harping on the relievers, that's kind of my whole – or my view of what the best kind of uh, aspect of the system is. So after the, after the White Sox drafted Caleb Freeman in the 15th round out of Texas tech, we had Ben or we had uh, Ben, we had Nick Hostetler on and he, he spoke of Caleb Freeman, like similarly to how he talked to me about Ian Hamilton after that draft and yeah. how he talked about Cody Hoyer after that draft, where it was just typical, like, like the dude was, um, and on the Cape pitching in relief and he was nasty. And then he went to Texas tech and he started and he was terrible because he's probably not mm-hmm. a starter and he falls and, you know, they draft him with the intention of converting him to relief. And he's one of these guys that like moves quickly, right? Like nobody, I don't think anybody thought Cody Hoyer was this guy, but it was a typical, like, yeah, he's got a five ERA as a starter at Wichita. We're going to turn him into a reliever. And then he pops. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know if Freeman's going to be as good as Hoyer. Um, he's starting at Winston. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Caleb Freeman next year in spring training is one of these guys where they're like, oh, watch this Caleb Freeman. He could make the team out of spring training, like one of those type of guys. Yeah. So he is definitely like the next one. And that, that is an area where they've been, uh, they've been really good like there. And, you, don't, you know, you don't get paid to like draft relievers, but it's nice to – and <laughs> they did the opposite of this, right? But it's nice to, like, have a bunch of them so then you don't have to go pay for a bunch of relief pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that's, like, something that I thought that they had and then they, like, paid for a closer anyway. So who knows? Yeah. They're really right. good at drafting and developing, uh, like, right-handed relievers. I just really wish they could do that with left-handed because uh, they don't really have that many. Um, and maybe that's where they probably should have put some money anyway. But um, – I digress on off offseason <laughs> decisions. Hey, Aaron, but... there's always next off season. Yeah, there always is another off season. There's always so... another reliever. Throw. Yeah. Uh, or he'll come up with another one. Are we gonna take not a... only, well, not only that. I mean... I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You hear that? Yep. Oh, well. Oh, I can uh, hear you better. That was, whoever that was uh, provided by, uh, thank you. But hey, that was sort of like our break. In fact, that's going to be our break. And now <laughs> we're back with the first Outside Socks on the Farm podcast. And you know, James, you had a thought that I would like you to complete. Yeah. So, well, no, I mean, I think we all kind of thought like, okay, Liam Hendricks is here. Like the bullpen's a strength. I do still think it is a strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think they're going to trade for a powerhouse reliever at the deadline still. So it's, you know, it's kind of like, that's like something that maybe you would have thought like no way they'd need that. But like, if you look at the pen right now, like if if you're in it and you're leading the, I mean, I could see them trading for anything and guy, definitely. Like, I mean, why not? Right. I mean, cause I feel like Marshall hasn't been as good as like we've expected. Garrett Crochet hasn't really been, I don't think what they've anticipated. I think Kolpec might be starting at some point. So yeah, I mean, then you're back to Bummer and Hoyer. And if you're trying to win a title, like I think I would not be surprised at all if there's, you know, they just like acquire some stud reliever and now they have a fresh brand new eighth inning guy. James, all the Cubans, all the relievers. There's a theme here. Just, you know, (laughs) don't divide and conquer, just conquer. Okay. Guys, uh, I'll put you on the spot here then, I guess, uh, if we haven't already brought the guy up. Uh, do you have a pet prospect or a guy that maybe people are a little bit up on that you're a little bit more sour on? So I don't know if anybody's up on him anymore. Like, I've never really been a Blake Rutherford guy, like, since I saw him. I, so I kind of liked him, like, out of high school. But then once it was kind of established that he can't play center, like, I, I don't really – see the profile and Darren, I don't know how like your thoughts on Rutherford, but I mean, he's probably left field only. Um, He doesn't really hit for power. So I'm not really sure like what he does for you. I mean, he's added strength and they talk about that, you know, like, I mean, if he doesn't sell out to hit for power, I'm just like, not really sure, you know, what he is. Like, I always kind of like thought like maybe like Ryan Sweeney ish, but I mean, like, I don't, I like Ryan Sweeney had a big league career and I don't, I don't know if Blake Rutherford's like even going to have that. And that was, you know, the centerpiece of one of their trades was Blake Rutherford. Right. So, and you're not going to hit on all of them, but you know, that's just kind of, he's just been meh, like for a, for kind of a while here, he is at Charlotte. So look, he could feast on four, a pitching and all of a sudden he hits like 10 homers out of that place because it's, it's crazy down there. And that would be best case scenario. Cause then maybe you could, make him the second piece in a, in a deal somewhere. But, you know, he's, he's the one guy that I just, I don't really, uh, I don't really see it. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really see it either. I know back when the decision was to uh, drop uh, or uh, DFA Luis Basabe, I, it's semantics at this point, but I would have preferred it to be a Blake Rutherford. Um, and I'm sure like once, uh, Yoleski Cespedes comes up from double A. Someone's got to go. It's maybe it's maybe it's like Mickey Matuk, someone that's not really <laughs> there's nothing there. But um, if a prospect had to go, if uh, Yule, Yule, if Cespedes coming up, 
um, and they need to get rid of one of their former top prospects, it's probably Rutherford. He hasn't, he looked good with the Yankees at low A and hasn't looked good since. So. Is this a matter of Rick Hahn, uh continuing to insist, continuing to insist that your mean Mercedes can be a catcher. Uh, Getz does not, I'm sorry, Getz does not uh, miss an opportunity to uh, hype up what he's seen from Rutherford uh, at Schaumburg and he's showing, flashing some power. Is that smoke to get him inserted as that to maybe second piece uh, or is that just wishful thinking? Well, it's probably, I mean, he's like in charge of all of them. I wouldn't bad mouth them to the public. So I think that's just how it comes down to <laughs> logic. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. Thank you. Uh, we're going to, we're going to see, right. Cause we can't just like take their word for it anymore. Right. He's actually going to start playing games on Tuesday. So. Yes. Yeah. Don't get to hide anymore. They've been here yeah. so long. I'm sorry, White Sox. I praise you when you kick ass for us. And when you sort of just fall asleep on us, you're going to get called out for it. And, uh, well, it'll be, let's just put it this way. It'll be nice to see four affiliates in action because boy, it's like, we sort of forgot what some of these guys look like. Just yeah. footage of them coming off the bus was like, wow, <laughs> those guys are still alive. Hey, there's the cannon. Awesome. Uh, guys, uh, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're a little hyped on, uh, more than maybe their prospect rankings would, uh, indicate. Uh, you know, some of it for me, it's like the younger guys, but it's just a matter of like them not play. like, I think Brian Ramos is really going to take off. I think, you know, he can, he can really hit for a 19 year old. He's in Kannapolis. I know Darren said, you know, kind of echoed what they had said where they're probably going to leave these guys at affiliates. That's more so because of COVID, I think than anything else. I think he's, I think he's going to be really good down in low a, I think he's probably a top 10 prospect in the system soon. Um, some of that because of attrition and, you know, some of these other guys falling off the list, but I like him quite a bit. And then Jake Berger's healthy. Like, I think Jake Berger's a big leaguer. I, you know, I don't know if he's like a, a first division, like starter, regular type, like on a good team, like at third, but I think he's going to play in the majors and, you know, that's not the goal of the 11th overall pick in the draft, but I mean, like you get guys to the majors, like it's, it's not a loss, right? Like it's not totally bad. And with what he's gone through, I just think like, you know, some of the character stuff, like people, you know, like as a football guy, like, you know, it's like some of that stuff's overrated, but like with him, like, I, I honestly like believe like his like mental toughness is one of the reasons why, like he's even still like attempting to play baseball, um, so that's why I don't think Charlotte is like, it, I don't think it's super crazy that they're just like sending him right to Charlotte because he could just like find his, I mean, he's like 25. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think he plays in the big league. Yeah. I, I've always been a little bit higher, uh, than uh, others on Gavin Sheets and, uh, Tyler Johnson throughout their careers. And there's no, right now there's no reason for me to back off from them at this point. Sheets. I mean, he, Good walk rate doesn't strike out as much as, you know, other first baseman power type guys. Um, he just actually needs to find that power. Um, and I'm hoping this is finally the year because, I mean, uh, 2019, he actually did hit 16 homers. It actually did improve somewhat. Um, and then Tyler Johnson, again, there, I don't think there's any reason to be down on him. Fireballer. Uh, if you're looking to add an eighth inning guy instead of going out, and trading for one, I honestly give him a chance because he is, he's a stud. Uh, as we are being forced because we're having a tripod of terror podcast here to 
uh, at least begin to wind down on this podcast. Uh, I am interested in the mechanics of how the season's going to go. And let me just throw this concept out. Uh, given that there are going to be injuries and maybe potentially a, a few um, promotions or trades, uh, there might be a need to move guys up before um, the rookie season uh, in, in Arizona after the draft would start. Are there guys you feel or know uh, are in Camelback as sort of that Schaumburg for the rest of the system where if there is that need, are, are the teams so stacked that they can withstand any of those, uh, any possible injuries or losses? Or are there guys maybe who are going to be more at the ready to come up who are going to be in Camelback before Arizona gets rolled? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the rosters are loaded to the point where they have so many extra players that it, that it like doesn't matter. I think there, there's going to be guys at Camelback, but it's mostly guys that they didn't think were ready to go to Canapolis. That's like one of my fears with this, like across the industry is just that like without great falls and it's not just a White Sox problem, like it's a baseball problem, right? So you got a guy like Bryce Bush a couple of years ago, you show up out of high school, you tear up rookie ball, like in Arizona complex league. So they like push you, right? And they say they decide, okay, we're going to send him to a ball. Well, then if you go to a ball and completely tank now there's like no buffer. Now there's no like, okay, send him to great falls. See how he does at great falls. Now it's like, you got to, once Arizona starts, you have to send him back to Arizona. So I don't really know how that's like, that's one of those like small things, but I mean, look, sink or swim, I guess. Like there's, there's a few guys in the system, like uh, Anderson Comas. And then there's Luis Mieses who are like 2016 international signings that take forever. Mm -hmm. Typically they're in like Winston Salem. I'm like, they're, I don't think those guys are ready for high A, but it's like, this is where you, we have to send you because we have guys younger than you that have to go to Canapolis. Like Bryce Bush is going to Winston-Salem, you know? I mean, so there's just like a whole bunch of stuff like that where it's, you know, but yeah, like Camelback's uh, functional and operational, I guess we could say, but that's going to be more for like guys that are hurt, guys hurt. that are like rehabbing extended spring. And then it's guys like getting ready to, you know, play the rookie league season, so there's really not many guys there. My guess is they're going to send the majority of their picks to Arizona is what they'll do. You know, I mean, I'm sure their first rounder, if it's a college guy, they'll send him to Winston or whatever. But like, other than that, I think that's your rookie ball team. Philosophically, uh, Darren, um, we have lost an entire affiliate. We have fewer teams in the minor leagues. Um, I don't like it. It helps uh, complete minor league updates before 2 a.m. But um, just philosophically, uh, it's better to have more teams, fewer teams. We want to see more guys in our system with the chance of them, maybe uh, somebody catching some lightning and getting up. Yeah. I mean, I, I just liked the two rookie leagues just in general. Like you draft a guy, send him to like a structured environment in Arizona, especially if they're a high schooler, or if they're a little bit older and a little bit more polished send them to great falls and get ready for what a grueling minor league baseball season is like. I mean, there's not a ton of travel involved, but there still is some travel. You got to play every day. Um, I much rather uh, would have more teams. Um, I mean, then again, it's just, it does shorten some guys careers that would never make it to the majors anyway. Uh, you can look at it that good, bad as uh, like team stringing somebody along so they can just, have some bench at bats or it's like, Oh, you're actually seeing the better guys play all the time. Cause there's a lot of, especially in Kannapolis, there's a lot of playing. There's a, not a lot of playing time for all those guys that I would like to see the playing time, especially pitching. So they just got to figure that out first, but much rather would have uh, great balls is the overarching point. 
Yeah, Major League Baseball hasn't announced yet, and I've reached out to see if, like, you're allowed to have two complex league teams because that could make some sense. Like, yeah. you just have two Arizona league teams, and, like, one of your teams is playing at the Reds' place and your team's playing at your place, like, against somebody, right, where you have so many guys. Because Chris Getz has been um, – like, he's been pretty aggressive with – international prospects where he sent kids like rights immediately stateside. Like Brian Ramos was like that. Lenyon Sosa was like that, where they didn't even play in the DSL. Usually when the high impact guys are in the DSL, like Norhe Vera, it's for tax purposes. So they can get their full bonus, stuff like that, you know, and that's not even like the White Sox fault. It's just like, it's, you, it just depends on what year like contracts were signed and stuff like that. So but yeah, like it's look, we don't need a 40 round baseball draft. It's too many. You don't need to be drafting kids. People like, decision makers Larry King's child that he doesn't need to be drafted yeah like you don't need some of that stuff but yeah I mean it it sucks for small town USA and like those towns where like they don't have minor league affiliates anymore and you know stuff like that they're still going to have baseball but they're going to be these partner leagues and and stuff like that and I think we'll adjust I think it'll ultimately be fine but it is you know you're going to have some guys that fall through the cracks that like give up on a career and you know go take a manager job somewhere instead of like grinding it out and playing baseball you might not have like many of your mean mercedes anymore yeah it's just an odd situation because no one played last year so it's just it's an odd time to get rid of a team even though it was in place last year um it's just an odd time to take away more playing time when you need it after not playing an entire season yeah Uh, none of the none of the prospects are going to care about not going to um Montana anymore but no like I agree (laughs) like I agree that there should be like another affiliate somewhere but I mean anybody anybody I interviewed that was there would tell me about this sub sandwich place that was there like up there by Great Falls because it's literally the only place like you know that's up there near the state it's a voyage Easy, yeah. Yeah. easier, yeah. easier minor league updates, easier real time draft day coverage. Darren, James, my goodness, we won't have to run yeah. through forty guys like a snap. It'll just be twenty. How about that? Um, we, of course, hey everybody listening and watching. Happy opening day for the minor leagues running on Tuesdays is going to be great. We're excited. Of course, we're going to have minor league updates every day. They're playing. Got this crazy system where it's basically six games in one spot, which of course is a nod to the pandemic. That's going to create some interesting nuances of play that uh, certainly the minor leagues haven't had to face, and it's probably going to benefit them uh, overall. And uh, so it's going to be a, it's going to be exciting. We haven't had this in a while, and I'm sure for a guy like uh, James, who's has made his, it's got his bread and butter in the uh, organization and the minor league system, it's a particularly exciting time. Of course, Darren for you as well has just been our go-to guy and our stalwart. Uh, writer uh doing everything doing the monthly uh updates doing the weekly updates uh we got a lot more stuff going on including probably a weekly minor league podcast so guys i definitely want to uh earmark you for future visits on this podcast and james i promise that when blake rutherford lights it up for 20 homers uh in charlotte (laughs) like by uh mid-season i will not uh cut a clip of this and uh, and run it around anywhere although you be like awesome we got another guy that we could trade for that late inning arm that we need more of (laughs) yeah that is that is like you know there's like a lot of people on twitter like trying to dunk on me obviously for you know like when they're like oh larry Larry garcia like game winner i'm like i'm very excited about that like i don't like the process of like why he's playing but if he's gonna win me a game like i mean i'm not disappointed i just like you know think that it's gonna hurt you in the future (laughs) so you know 
Thanks, everybody, for listening, for watching, of course, for reading Southside Sox. We will be with you and right at you with great minor league coverage beginning this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and thanks, James. Thanks, Darren.